I just can't get these numbers to add up. It's like we're never going to get out of this hole. Credit card debt, does it ever end? <laughs> Maybe I can help. We sure could use it. We've tried debt consolidation companies. We've even taken out loans to help make payments. Well, you're not the only ones. Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. Oh, let me see that. If you don't have any money, you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. I don't know, honey. This makes a lot of sense. There's a whole section here on how to buy expensive things using money you save. Give me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in chapter three. Okay, but what if I want something but I don't have any money? You don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. <laughs> now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? <laughs> no. You make sure you have money, then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. But shouldn't you buy it before you have the money? No. Why not? It's in the book. It's only one page long. The advice is priceless, and the book is free. Wow, I like the sound of that. Yeah, we can put it on our credit card. <laughs> so get out of debt now. Write for your free copy of Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. And if you order now, you'll also receive Seriously. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. Along with a 12-month subscription to Stop Buying Stuff magazine. So order today. All right, all right. Well, <laughs> if you were here last week for our series in Strap, that pretty much summed up the entire message uh, last week right there. Uh, we've been talking about how to handle your money in a God-honoring way, and, and last week we talked about embracing uh, some values so that we are no longer strapped in debt like most Americans are. We talked about embracing the value of self-control, learning to say what, church? No, so later you can say yes. We, we learn to embrace the, the value of sacrifice, giving up something you love like cable TV for something you love even more, which is to have all your credit cards paid off. Uh, we talked about embracing the value of planning, and these are all biblical values we looked at last week, that uh, you want to start out having a $1,000 emergency fund. You want to have a plan. You want to have a budget. You want to get out of debt using the debt snowball. If you missed last week or the week before, go online, orchardchurch.tv. TV, like television, and you can watch the messages. They are there because as we've been talking about in this series, Strap, um, as Christians, we don't serve money. We serve God, amen? And money should serve us as we serve God. Now today we're going to talk about common sense for your dollars and cents, and we're going to specifically be talking about saving and investing. So let's just take a little poll. Let me ask, because in most families, there's a saver and there's a spender. So how many in your family you'd say, I'm the saver, I'm the saver? Raise your hand, I'm the saver. Some of y'all, your, your, your spouse is going, put your hand down, you're not the saver. Okay? How many of y'all have the spiritual gift of spending? Spending, the spiritual gift of spending. Boy, they were excited to put their hand up. They're like, yes, 
Yes, and for those that don't want to admit it, savers help the spenders raise their hand. And let, let me ask one more time. Spenders, spenders, raise your hand again. Keep them up so we can see them. Host team, pay attention. Pass the offering bucket by these folks. Don't miss them. Don't miss those folks. At the end of service, we receive our gifts. Yeah, you know, even as parents, we can watch our children. And a lot of times we can even see our children at a very young age. We can see one of them is more of a saver and one of them tends to be more of a spender. And that's true in our household. We have two kids, uh, a boy and a girl, Caleb and Caitlin. And uh, even at a very young age, we noticed that one of them tended to be more of a saver and one of them tended to be more of a spender. I'm not going to tell you which one was more of the uh, spender, uh, but their name is a Bible name. I have a Caleb. And a Caitlin, and uh, I, Shelley was reminding me this week when when Caleb uh, was about six years old. I mean, he was a kid that he'd get a dollar, and I mean, as soon as he'd get a dollar, he'd have to let's go to Walmart, let's go to the dollar store. You know, for the, for a long time, our kids thought the only store was the dollar store because we could give them a dollar and we could go, you can have anything in here. Don't do that at Walmart, okay? He'll get you in trouble. So he got, he gets some money, man. He'd have to spend it. And so they were going into Walmart one day, and Caleb had a couple of dollars that he had gotten. And there was one of those machines, you know, where you put a dollar in, and, and then the, the thing, the arm comes out and it cranks down. It tries to pick something up, you know, a stuffed animal or something. And this had a bunch of hats, little plastic hats, and they had a Dallas cowboy hat in there. And so I've, uh, you know, I've, uh, wooed him over to be a Cowboys fan and so he he saw the Dallas Cowboys hat and so he's going to spend his two dollars which he tried to do before and usually didn't win and so his mom was like now Caleb are you sure you want to spend your two dollars on that I mean really you know and chances are yes 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 and so she's like okay you're going to have to learn and if, if that's how you want to spend your money it's your two dollars but I'm not giving you any more so he put the first dollar in didn't get anything he put the second dollar in and it grabbed the hat pulled it it dropped in and he reached in he was all excited he wasn't real sure which what it was and it was a Raiders hat yeah and he immediately looked at his mom and said that was really stupid and you know he got better after that he actually learned a lesson he got better at saving we're going to start out this morning as we talk about saving and investing common sense for your dollars and cents. turn to the book of Proverbs if you haven't already Proverbs chapter 6 take out your mobile devices and Bibles if you're using one of the Bibles you may have picked up at the door it's on page 259 we're going to start in Proverbs chapter 6. We've been in Proverbs chapter 22 the last couple of weeks. We're going to start in Proverbs 6 today. Chapter 6, verse 6. And Proverbs 6, 6 starts out this way. It says, go to the what, church? Go to the ant. You guys are going to learn something this morning from an ant. And here's what Proverbs says. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Another way of saying sluggard would be like, you bum, you lazy person, you non-saver. Go to the ant, you sluggard, and consider her ways and be wise. You can learn something from watching an ant. And it says in verse 7, which the ants have no captain or overseer or ruler. But here's what the ant does. Verse 8, she provides her supplies in the summer and she gathers her food in the harvest. You know what you can learn from an ant? Ants know how to work hard and they know how to save. You ever seen ants, man? They'll be carrying around food. They'll be carrying around leaves. You know, you go to a picnic and, you know, maybe you drop some fried chicken and the ant's like, ooh, I like fried chicken and runs over there and gets some buddies and they grab some of that fried chicken because they're like, we're going to save this because later in the winter when there's no food, we might want some fried chicken. We just scored. And what you can learn from watching ants 
is they know how to save. Ants know how to save for the future. Here's another one. Look at Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20. Proverbs 21, 20. Go over a few pages. And it says this in Proverbs 21, 20. There is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise. In other words, the wise person has saved some things, some treasures, some oil, has prepared for the future. But a what kind of man? Foolish. Everybody say foolish. But a foolish man squanders it. Or, or in other words, he doesn't save. We could say today that a foolish man lives paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. So we have, we have a decision this morning. Do we want to handle our finances as a wise man who saves it and has something for the future? Or as a foolish man who spends every dime that comes in, which we said in our first week, 55% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And if we're tired of being foolish and we're ready to be wise and we're tired of being strapped, then this lesson is for all of us today. Now, as we talk about saving and we talk about investing and planning for the future, not living paycheck to paycheck and being strapped like most Americans, I do want to be sensitive. I realize maybe there's some single moms. I mean, and it's all you can do to make ends meet. And, and maybe you, it's really hard not to live paycheck to paycheck. Maybe you've lost a job recently. And there are seasons and times in our lives where we do the, the, the best we can. But if we're honest, there's a lot of people in America, they could save, they just choose not to save. They could be wise with their money, but they're not. They're foolish instead. Can we agree, say yes, that most Americans are foolish with their money? Yeah, 55% living paycheck to paycheck. And today, we're going to talk about being wise and not foolish and using some common sense for our dollars and cents and learning from an ant to save. So when we talk about saving, you have this in your notes, what will you save for? What are we going to save for? Now, these are very basic, but they're important, and a lot of times people miss this. What are we going to save for? Number one, we're going to save for emergencies. Everybody say emergencies. Emergencies. Now, the new iPhone 5 is not an emergency. Just throw that out there. That's not an emergency. I mean, emergencies are the car is going to break down, appliance is going to break down, you know, your little kid is going to grab your ring that you put, you know, on the counter when you're washing your hands and they swallowed it and now you've got to take them to the emergency room and the doctor, you pay a bunch of money for them to stay. You're going to have to watch their poop for a few days and look for that ring. And some of y'all are like, that is disgusting. And you parents that have been there go, yes it is, but I know what he's talking about. There's going to be mer- emergencies. It's not a matter of if, but when. You plan for those emergencies, okay? Um, another thing we're going to save for is not only emergencies, but we're going we're to save money for purchases. Notice, ladies, I said purchases, not purses, okay? We're going to save money for purchases because we want to stop putting things on a credit card and paying interest and being strapped and being in debt. So when there's something that we want to purchase, that couch, that vacation, uh, Christmas, even a car... We're going to learn to save our money and pay cash for it once we have enough money to pay for it in cash. We're going to save for emergencies, we're going to save for purchases, and we're going to save for future. We're going to save for the future. We're going to save for maybe our our kids' college future. We're going to save, if your kids are like my kids, both of them had to be in braces, you better save for those braces. They're not cheap. Um, We've got, Shelly and I were just talking about our finances uh, this week as we're going through this series with you guys and going, is there anything we could do differently? Is there anything we could do better? And we basically come to this conclusion. If we could just get our teenagers out of the house, we'd be rich. We've pretty much just come to that conclusion. 
And then we'll, of course, be crying our eyes out once they're gone. But, I mean, those of you, let me just, Shelly said, would you please, this, was, this is a message from Shelly, my wife, this morning. She said, would you please tell everyone this morning who have young children, you better start saving now for when they're teenagers or you're in big, big trouble. I mean, it is amazing how much it costs. I mean, for the car and the insurance and the gas and the prom and the, all that kind of stuff and pictures and senior pictures are coming up and braces and everything. I mean, it's just like crazy. You better save for the future. You better save for your future retirement if you plan to hopefully retire someday. How many of y'all say, I'd like to retire someday? I'd like to be able to, you know, live how I want to live and do what I want and make my own schedule and I'd like to retire. Well, you better save now for retirement so that when you're 72, you're not eating, you know, ramen noodles all the time for your, for your meals. You need to save. Now, here's the problem. Too many people aren't saving in America. Statistics tell us there are less people saving than in the history of our country. And people, what they're doing is they're buying what they want and then they don't have money for the things that they need later in the future. And so if you're going to be a good saver and you're going to handle your finances in a God-honoring way, you have to prioritize your money. You have to prioritize your dollars. And so I'm going to try to give you guys a real practical illustration right now. And i got some guys that are going to come out and they're going to help me with this. And it's really going to kind of summarize everything we've talked about up until now. How you should prioritize your money, how you should save your money and have a plan so these guys are gonna gonna help me out all right now somebody one of you guys has some money for me i believe this is gonna be my most expensive illustration thanks let me see how much oh okay we got about fifteen hundred dollars here you guys probably better stay here and help me with this illustration so nobody rushes the stage so you guys help me out this morning perfect all right good you just watch if anybody tries to sneak up over here over there okay so here, here's, how, here's how this is going to work. Uh, let's say you get paid $1,000. Let's say you, you get a paycheck and, and it's $1,000. Okay, you're going to prioritize this $1,000 like we talked about last week. You're going to have a budget. You're going to have a plan. You're going to tell your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. You're going to have a budget. You're going to spend every dollar on paper on purpose before the month begins. And so then when you get that $1,000, you already know what to do with it. Now, if you're a Christian, you know what the Bible says, like in pro, uh, Proverbs and Leviticus, it says the tithe, the first tenth, ten percent belongs to who? To God, to the Lord. And so you're going to honor God first with your tenth, with your tithe. We're going to talk more about this next week. Do not chicken out and not be here next week. We're going to talk about the buck starts here next week. And, and I promise you, you're going to learn some things about tithing that I bet you've never heard before. It's going to surprise some of you what I'm going to say and the Bible says about tithing. We'll talk a little bit about next week. But you're going to take that first uh, tenth, that first hundred dollars of that thousand, and you're going to tithe. You're going to give it to the Lord. You're going to give it to the Lord, tithe through the local church as the Bible tells us to do. And then, now you've got $900 left. So you could spend the rest of the $900 living paycheck to paycheck, and you could spend it all on your expenses, but you don't want to live that way. You're tired of being strapped. You're embracing the values of saying no and sacrifice and having a plan and a budget, and you, and you want to say, for future and you want to get out of debt. So instead of living on $900, you are going to live on $700. You're going to live on $700. So you're going to live on minimal expenses. You guys have these in your notes. First, you're going to tithe 10% to God and then you're going to live on minimal living expenses. So $700 goes in the expenses bucket, which leaves you now $200. And what you're going to do first, as we learned last week, is you're going to save, you're going to build an emergency fund of how much money, church? 
$1,000. You're going to build a $1,000 emergency fund for those emergencies. And so that $200, because you're living on minimal expenses, you have $200 left that's going to go into your savings getting that $1,000. Oh, but guess what? You decided to go get a little bit of extra job because you want to get that $1,000 as quick as you can. And so you made an extra $100 uh, delivering newspapers or pizzas. And you know, God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? And his timing is interesting. Because I came home Sunday afternoon, last Sunday, after telling you guys the first thing you need is $1,000 in an emergency fund. And inside my Denver Post, did some of you see this? Was you can put $1,000 cash in your pocket by delivering papers early in the morning. Right there. That's how some of you all can earn your $1,000 emergency fund. This is how some of you can earn money to pay your credit cards off. You remember we talked about getting an extra $200. This was in the Denver Post right there. Thank you, Lord. And so we're going to do that. So you earned a, a, an extra $100 delivering papers or whatever. And so you're going to add that $100 to your emergency fund, right? No, wrong. You're going to add 90 to the emergency fund because $10 belongs to God on the tithe. Oh, see, caught some of you guys there on that one. And so, oh, and then you earned another $100. Maybe you did some babysitting and you got another $100. And so that $100 is going to go towards your emergency fund, right? Oh, see, so you're catching on. So you're going to put 90 in there and, and 10 is going to go over there into the tithe. And so this is where you're going to start. You're going to tithe 10% of your income to God to honor Him. You're going to live on minimal expenses, cut, cut some things out so you have some extra money, and you're going to build the $1,000 emergency fund as quickly as you can. Does that make sense? If it does, say yes. Okay. Now, after you get the $1,000 in an emergency fund... You got that. You got, I've got $1,000 in emergency fund in my savings. I've got that. All right. Now what you're going to do is you're going to work on your, your debt. You're going to work on your debt now. You got $1,000 emergency fund. You're going to work on your debt. And so you've got some credit card debt. You don't want to be strapped anymore. And so you're going to work on paying off your debt. So you get paid $1,000 again. And I've got all my money messed up now. All right. $1,000. First $100 goes to... God, and you're going to tithe, you're still living on $700 because you want to get out of debt. You don't want to be strapped, so you're living on minimal expenses. You've cut some things out. You've said no, and so you're going to live on $700, and then you're going to have $200 extra that is going to go into your debt fund. You're going to start doing the debt snowball with that $200. But you're continuing to throw papers. You're continuing to deliver pizzas or babysit. And you're making $100 on that. So 90 goes in there, 10 goes to God. And then, you know, you know, and because you've been trying to get out of debt and God's been watching, He's been watching you work hard and He's been seeing you tithe and put Him first. God's going to bless you. And your rich uncle, God rest his soul, he passed away and he left you $100. And so you're going to take that $100, you're going to put it toward your debt, actually you're going to put 90 and God still gets his 10. And you're going to continue to do the debt snowball, starting with the smallest to the largest, like we talked about last week. If you didn't see it, go online. We detailed this out. And you're going to get all your debt paid off, everything but the house. And you're going to just attack this thing as quickly as you can. All right? So once you get your debt paid off and you're debt free, everybody say debt free. You're going to have a party. You're going to have a little extra money. Now what you're going to do is you're going to work on investing. All right, you've got a $1,000 emergency fund, all your debts, but your house is paid off. And so now you're going to work on your investments. You're going to put some money away for the future. Now this is where things change. This is where things change. Now these buckets are going to switch. You're going to, as you get paid $1,000... 
You're still going to be tithing. You're going to give God $100. you are still trying to live on $700 because you've learned to live on that and you're doing okay now and you've got your debts paid off. And so what you're going to do is, wait, I went the wrong button. You're going to invest first. You're going to tithe and then you're going to put 15% of your income into an investment. So if you got $1,000, 15% would be what? $150 that is going to go in to your investment fund. And then you're going to put the rest toward your expenses, but you've been cutting your expenses down. And guess what you're going to find out? Oh, look, we got some extra money because we've been such a good steward of our money. We've been putting God first. Now we're investing. We have expenses, but we have extra money because we're not paying car payments. We're not paying credit card payments. We're not paying any other bills except our house. We've got extra money, and God has been blessing us. We probably got a raise at our job by now. God's been blessing because we've been putting him first. We got extra money. So now what do we do with that? Well, maybe we give a little bit more to God. Maybe we'll give to, to feeding centers to help feed hungry children. You know, give to our, our, our missionaries. And maybe you've got a friend that's in need, and you go, you know, I'm going to help my friend out a little bit. There you go, friend. And, and, you know, I got another friend. His car broke down, and, you know, he's really hurting, and he's out of a job. Someone help him out a little bit, too. You you guys don't put that in your pocket now, okay? Don't get too used to that. And you're going to spread out because you live like no one else, so now you can live like no one else, and you can give like no one else, and you can help other people, and you can still put God first, and this is how we prioritize our money. If you got it, say yes. All right, let's give these guys a hand for helping me out this morning. i got to collect all my money back. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I'll tip you later. Thank you. Thank you. All right. You guys can grab those. All right. I'll hang on to this for now. <laughs> All right. So that is how we are going to prioritize our, our, our money. We're going to live like no one else, so later we can live like no one else, so we're not strapped. And you know what Jesus says? And this is a great verse that applies to us trying to get our finances in order and do it in a God-honoring way. In Matthew 25, 21, Jesus said, When you're faithful over a few things, then I will make you ruler over many things. And if I could just be very honest with you guys this morning... I have helped a lot of people with their finances and trying to follow the biblical principles. And, and the reason that God is not blessing some people in their finances is because they're not doing a good job with the finances they have. God is not going to bless you with more and bless you with the raise if he can't trust you with what he's already given you. Those of you who are parents, you understand that with your kids. I mean, if I can't, if I can't uh, trust you, you know, with this dog to feed and water it and walk it, I'm not going to get you another one. And, and that is true principle when it comes to our finances. God, for some of you, he's, he, listen, I believe with all my heart, God wants to bless us. He wants to bless you. He does. He wants to give you that raise. He wants to take care of you. He wants you to do that. But for some of us, he's just waiting for us to do our part to be better stewards of what he's already given us. And when he can trust us with that, then he can bless us with more as we prioritize our money in that way as we talked about. Now, that's how we learn to prioritize our money and save. Now, let's talk about investing. Let's talk about investing. And I realize a lot of you probably are having some questions. I've actually already received some by email and Facebook. Some of you have asked me after church. Next, uh, week after next, in two weeks, we're going to take the whole service and I'm going to answer your questions. 
Any questions about saving, budgeting, uh, investing, tithing, any questions you have, we're going to take your questions, we're going to answer as many of them as we can, and rumor has it that Dave Ramsey actually might be joining us that Sunday to help us answer those questions as well. So we'll see how that goes. So in two weeks, but here's what we need you to do. We sent out a text, if you hopefully get our text messages, um, it's on our Facebook page, it's on our website, there's a link on there, go online and submit your question. Okay, we need a lot of questions, so submit those questions. So any questions you have about this, we'll be answering in two weeks. So I want to talk to you now about investing. And there are two ways to make money. One of them is people making money. Everybody say people. People. One way to make money is people making money. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says this, If anyone will not work, they should not what? Eat. The, the first way we should earn money is we should work. People making money by working. Now let me ask this. How, how many single ladies we have in here? Single ladies? All the single ladies? All the, oh, just sorry. It just, just came out. Okay. All single ladies, raise your hand. Okay. Single ladies, let me give you a good piece of advice. Do not marry a man with potential. Marry a man with a job. Okay. I'm going to help you there. I don't care about his potential. Make sure he is working. Make sure he has a job. The first way to make money is people making money. The second way to make money is money making money. Money making money. That's called investing, where your money works for you. You see, this is why we want to get out of debt as soon as possible. This is why we don't want to be strapped. Because when you're in debt, you're paying someone else back that debt and you're probably paying them interest. So what you bought for $100 is probably really costing you $120, $150. Somebody else is making money off the money they loaned you. We want to get out of debt. We want to stop paying people extra money and then making money off our money. We want to start saving and investing so that now instead of us paying interest, we're making interest. Our money is making money for us. And this is a biblical principle. Some of y'all might be thinking, you know, why are we talking about this? this isn't Bible? Yes, it is. Jesus, in, in one of his parables, and I told you before, two-thirds of Jesus' parables had to do with money and possessions. Because he knows this is a spiritual issue. It's an issue of our heart. And Jesus gave a parable in Matthew chapter 25, verse 16, and here's what he said. The servant, one servant received five bags of silver, and he began to what? invest the money and he earned five more. Another servant was given two bags of silver. He went and he worked and he earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver, he just dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. And you remember when they came before the master, he said, well done, now good and faithful servant to the one who invested and the one who doubled. But to the other one, I mean, he was reprimanded. He's like, you did nothing with your money. You didn't make any more money. You didn't invest any more money. You just hid it under a mattress and that was it. So there are two ways to make money. You can work for money or you can let your money work for you. That's called investing. And here's the great thing about investing. When you begin to invest, whenever you're debt free and you're not strapped and you're able to take 15% of your income and you're able to invest for the future, your money works for you and it works 365 days a year. And it works 24 hours a day and it never takes a day off and it never takes a vacation when you've invested your money. Now let me ask, how many of you would like to be good investors or better investors? Would you raise your hand, raise them up high? Okay, that's just about everybody, most everyone. Let me give you some basic biblical rules of investing that we can all 
we can all learn from these things. We can all benefit from this. Some basic rules of investing, and they all come from the scriptures, believe it or not, about investing. Number one, don't invest in things you don't understand. Don't invest in things you don't understand. Proverbs 24, verse 3. Let's look at it together. You're there in Proverbs. Look at Proverbs 24, verse 3. Here's this principle, investing. 24, 3. It says, through wisdom a house is built. And by, what's the next word? Understanding it is established by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Proverbs says here that when you're building your house and you're building your your income and your wealth and, and you're taking care of your money, there better be some wisdom, some understanding, and some knowledge that goes into that. Don't invest in things you don't understand. I'll just tell you, Shelly and I, um, several years ago, we had someone sell us a financial product that they, they were really slick at presenting, and it sounded really good, and we bought into it, and we began to invest into it, but then I went through Dave Ramsey's course, Financial Peace University, and one of the very things he said never do, we were doing, and it always bothered me because I never fully understood how it worked. I never fully understood. And finally, Shelly and I talked about it. I said, you know what? I'm, I, I don't understand it. It doesn't really make sense. And if Dave Ramsey says don't do it, I'm in. Or I'm out. <laughs> and so we got out of it and we reinvested uh, some of that same money in the way that he teaches to do. And I'll tell you what, I had such peace come over me. Because now I understand where my money is invested. I understand it. It makes sense. If you, if you don't understand it, work to understand it or don't do it. Don't invest in what you don't understand. I mean, we are today bombarded with people trying to get money from us to invest in things we probably don't understand. I mean, I, my spam box is full of emails. You know, this stock is going to explode next week. I promise you. You know, this company is going to take off or this business venture. You know, or your broke brother-in-law comes to you and promises this great investment. That you don't understand. Your broke brother-in-law. Okay? Don't do it. Consult a good, with a good financial uh, advisor. Make sure you understand it. Because sometimes the best investment that we make is the one you don't make. If you don't understand it, don't invest in what you don't understand. Number two, another basic uh, principle of investing, a biblical principle is this. A basic rule. Don't put all your eggs in one... Your, your grandma taught you that. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, Ecclesiastes 11.2 says this, But divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risk might lie ahead. Dave Ramsey says it this way. I love this. Investing is a lot like manure. If you put it all in one place, it starts to stink. But if you spread it out, it makes things grow. There's a lot of wisdom right there. That is a really wise principle to apply to investing. Make sure you don't put all your eggs in one basket. This is why, and we can answer some of these questions that you may be asking, uh, that you'll be sending to us, but this is why mutual funds are generally much better investment than a single stock. Because if that single stock, that single company goes down, all your money goes down. But when you're in mutual funds, you're in hundreds of stocks, and some do well, and some don't do as well, but they balance themselves out. And mutual funds automatically diversify your money so you don't put all your eggs in one basket. So, biblical principles of investing. Number one, don't invest in things you don't. Number two, don't put all your eggs in one and number three, you probably can put, put your blanks in here. Don't try to get rich quick. 
Another basic biblical principle about investing. Don't try to get rich quick. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 says this. But people who long to be rich or get rich quick, listen to this church, they fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. I bet some of y'all wish you would have known that verse a few years ago. Don't try to get rich quick. Proverbs 28, 20, verse 20 says this way, The trustworthy person will get a rich reward, but a person who wants quick riches will get into trouble. I mean, how many of you, you or someone you know, ever has been fooled by some get-rich-quick scheme. You don't even need to raise your hands. We've probably either, we've got suckered into it or we've seen somebody get suckered into that. And, and the Bible is clear over and over, don't try to get rich quick. It's foolish. It, it brings danger. It brings ruin. It brings trouble. You, you want to know how to double your money? Here's a great way to double your money. You take it out, you fold it in half, and you put it back in your pocket. <laughs> Sometimes that's the best way to double your money. When uh, I was pastoring my first church in Indiana, there was, uh, and please hear me out what I'm about to say before you get upset with me. Hear, hear the whole context. There was this multi-level marketing craze that went through our church. Now, there are some multi-level marketing companies that are very good companies. And we have people in our church that work for those companies. And so not all multi-level marketing companies are bad. A lot of them have great products. Whether you do the multi-level or not, they're great products. You know, my mom sold Tupperware for years. That's a multi-level marketing. You know, there's Avon. There's Mary Kay. My wife sells some jewelry that is technically a multi-level marketing company. So not all multi-level marketing companies are bad. Not all of them. But most of them <laughs> tend to be. Because everything is not, you can know when a multi-level marketing company to watch out for them because they don't push their product, they push get in so you can get rich quick. And there was one that went through our church and if I said the name of it, you'd all go, oh yeah. And I mean, people in our church started buying into this thing and they were going to get rich quick and they started going in debt to invest in this company. You know, because you had to fly over over the country to go to all these conferences and you had to buy all these CDs and you had to do all this kind of stuff. And they kept going, I'm telling you, don't go into debt. They're going into more and more debt. And they swore to me, we're going to be a millionaire in the next two years or five years. And, and some of them were dear friends of ours and we warned them and we warned them. And some of them went through divorce because of it. Some of them went bankrupt because of it. And, and the problem was they were trying to get rich quick. we got to be careful of that. Amen, church? Don't try to get rich quick. You, you, you know, too many people, they want what I call the BBD. Too many people want the BBD. You know, I don't want to just get 5% on my money. I don't want to just get 10%. I know the market you know, is usually around 10 to 12%. But that's not good enough for me. I want money and I want it now. And we want the, the BBD. You know what the BBD is? The bigger, better deal. And, I, and, they, and they, uh, they look at their financing and investing as a sprint instead of a marathon. And if you're going to be wise with your money and you're investing, it needs to be a marathon, not a sprint. And don't try to get rich quick. Proverbs 13, 11 says it this way. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears, but wealth from hard work grows over time. It grows over time. And let me show you what that verse is talking about. Let me be very practical. You have this in your notes. Money plus time plus consistency equals wealth. Money plus time plus consistency equals wealth. You know, one way that people try to get rich quick is the lottery. 
And I'm not saying, you know, if you ever play the lottery, you've sinned. No, you know, I'm not saying that. I'll admit, I'll admit you as a pastor, when the lottery got over $500 million, what was it, last year, I bought my first lottery ticket ever in my life. I went in, I paid a dollar, and I bought one, okay? But there are a lot of people that try to get rich quick, and, and a lot of people spend two, three, five dollars a day. Every day going home or going to work, they buy several lottery tickets, 3 to $5 a day, with that hopes of one day making millions and getting rich quick. Or maybe it's not the lottery, but they spend 3 to $5 a day on overpriced caffeine at Starbucks. Or they spend 3 to $5 a day on sodas. Or they spend 3 to $5 a day on cigarettes, whatever. I want to show you what can happen if you just took three, about $3 a day and you invested it over time with consistency. I want to show you what happens. If you took, and you have this in your notes, if you took $3 a day, about $3 a day, let's say $100 a month to make the math easy. $100 a month invested at just 10% over time. You say, now where are you going to get 10%? We're going to talk more about this. I'll answer this question in a couple of weeks. But over the last 100 years, the market has done on average 9 to 10%. You can look at any 25-year period of time, and the market is going to get about 10%. Sometimes it's even better. Right now, it's better for, for some people. And I know there's dips, but you've got to stay in it. It's money plus time plus consistency. And if you took $100 and you invested it and got 10%, here's what the numbers would look like over time. In 10 years, you'd have $20,000. In 20 years, you'd have $76,569. In 30 years, just investing $100 a month over time at 10%, you'd have $227,932. At 40 years, if from the age 20 to 60, you just invested $100 a month, three, about $3 a day. And by the time you are 60, you'd have $637.678. Not bad. You think you might be able to retire on that? A little over half a million dollars? By just three, about $3 a day? Now, watch what happens if you can do it for 45 years. If you invest $100 a month, about $3 a day for 45 years, from the age 20 to 65, and you're ready to retire, you'd have $1,056,985. I possibly just made some of you all a millionaire today if you're young enough to apply this and do it. You can pay me later. Take me to dinner. It, it's that simple. And the math works every single time at 10% invested over that amount of time from 20 to 65. If you're able to hang on for 50 years from the age 20 to 70, $100 a month at 10% is $1.7 million every single time. Now, Dave Ramsey usually uses like 12%. I went conservative and I just did 10%. Let's say I'm half wrong. Let's say you only get 5%, which you can definitely get 5%. I mean, you can get that a lot of times in bonds and things. Let's say you just get 5% in 50 years. Okay, my bad. You just have about a million dollars. We missed it by a little bit. Proverbs 13.11 says, Wealth grows over time. Money plus time plus consistency equals wealth. Here's another illustration. If a 30-year-old makes $50,000 a year, and that's what the average 30-year-old in America makes, statistically, about $50,000, and they save 15% of it, that's $625 a month, and they start when they're age 30, they put it in a 401k or a Roth IRA at 10%, by the age 70, they will have $3,985,487. Money plus time plus consistency equals wealth. I hope that helps you guys understand what the Bible is saying about saving and investing. 
and that we don't serve money, we serve God, and we want money to serve us so we can serve. Can you imagine how you can serve God and others if you do that, and at 65, you've got $1.5 million or $3 million, what you could do for the glory of God and for the kingdom's sake and to help people in need? It's huge. Does that make sense to you guys? That's huge. But you've got to be disciplined enough to do it. You've got to get unstrapped. You've got to get out of debt so you can begin to put that money away and let that money work for you instead of you working for your money. Proverbs 13.22 says this, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Or is there going to be anything for you to leave to your grandchildren because you've been a good steward of what God's blessed you with? Some of you, you could begin to change your family tree if you apply these biblical financial principles. And I asked you all ago, how many of you would like to be good investors? And I saw hands up in every section. Just about everybody had their hands up. Now, if you want to be good investors, listen to me now as I bring this to a close. Because Psalm 62.10 says this, If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. I've said it before, God wants you to have some nice things, but he doesn't want those nice things to have you. God wants you to have some money for retirement, but he doesn't want that money to have you. And I hope that you take these investing principles, I hope you apply them to your life, I hope you get out of debt, I hope you you stop being strapped, stop living paycheck to paycheck, put 15% away, have savings, and have money to retire with dignity, and I hope you have money to help other people. But when you have that money, don't set your heart on it. Amen? You ain't taking it with you. Because here's the deal, money isn't the only thing we should invest in, and I would say it's not the most important thing that we should invest in. Jesus never invested money in anything that I know of, but he invested people, in people. He invested in God's kingdom. Matthew 6, 19 says it this way, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroys and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures where, church? In Heaven, where neither moth or rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Don't, I don't want you guys to leave here today just being excited. Oh man, Pastor Doug told me how I could be a millionaire in 40 years. And that's what I'm going to focus on. And all you do is invest in money. Because what, I, what God wants you to invest in is things money can't buy. Don't just invest in money. Invest in your marriage. Invest in your kids. Invest in God's church. Invest in people in your small group, in discipleship. Invest in in witnessing and sharing your faith. Invest in God's work because those things, church, last forever. Those things will be in heaven waiting for us. And And as you invest in those things that money can't buy beyond just finances, listen, the result over time of your consistent investment is you'll have a rich marriage that money can't buy. You'll have godly kids and a great relationship with them that money can't buy. You'll be able to change, you'll have a family tree of disciples, people you've led to Christ and you've discipled. That's things that money can't buy. Remember this, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. When you invest in spiritual things, in godly things, in heavenly things, because we as Christians don't serve money, we serve God. But we're learning how money can serve us so we can better serve God and others and invest in his kingdom. That's what we're learning. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. If you're here today and you'd say, you know what, as far as financially speaking, I I, want to be a better investor. I I need to save more. I need to plan better. I need to invest better. I I know I need to prioritize my money better. I I need to learn to tithe and to save and to get out of debt so that I can invest. I'm tired of being strapped. I want to apply these biblical principles 
and, and save and prepare better for the future than what I have. And God has spoken to me about that today, about being a better steward of what he's blessed me with in the area of finances and saving and investing. Would you slip up your hand for prayer all across the auditorium? Just slip up your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Many hands in every section. Father, I pray that we would apply these biblical principles to our life, to the money you blessed us with, that we'd be good stewards of it, and that we would save it, and we would invest it in a way that would honor you Lord, not so we can hoard it for ourselves, but so that we can reinvest in your kingdom and in in others and in our family and help other people. And that we would apply these principles of common sense for our dollars and cents. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you this. I hope today that as I close, God didn't just speak to you about investing your money, but that you say, I know I could be a better investor in God's kingdom. The things that matter most, my, my relationship with God, my relationship with others, my family, uh, my, my wife, my church, my, my tithe. I know that I can be a better investor in spiritual things and have the rewards of that. And God spoke to you in that way. Would you slip up your hand for prayer all across the auditorium? Would you slip up your hand? I, I want to make sure I'm investing in spiritual things in the kingdom. Thank you. Thank you. Hands are everywhere. Lord, help us. To not only just focus on money and investing in financial things, but help us to invest in the things that last forever. Help us to invest in your kingdom. Help us to invest in our our marriage and our family, our kids, other believers and people around us that need Christ. Help us to lay up treasures in heaven, not just on this earth, Lord. Help us to lay them up there where they'll last forever. And invest in things that matter most to you, God. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, one other question I have. For some of you, maybe you don't realize this, but the greatest investment that was ever made was when God sent His Son Jesus to sacrifice Himself and die on the cross so that you could have eternal life. He invested His Son with the return of your eternal life, your sins being forgiven, and a relationship with God. And if you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never accepted that gift of investment that God made for you, I want to challenge you to make that decision right now where you sit. God's not interested in your money. He's interested in your heart and your life today. And with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, I know that I need to receive Jesus in my life, I want to lead you in a prayer of faith that you could pray between your heart and God's right now and receive Him as Lord and Savior. It's not the prayer words you say, but it's the faith where it comes from, from your heart. And if you're ready to receive Jesus today, pray this prayer to, to God from your heart. And it goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for me. To pay for my sins. And today I invite you into my life. Jesus come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me eternal life. Thank you for investing in my life. And allowing me to be a part of your family. And with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you just prayed that prayer of faith for the first time. I don't embarrass anybody, but no one looking around. Would you slip up your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor Doug, because I I just accepted Jesus into my life, and I'd like you to pray for me as I grow in that relationship. Anyone like that this morning? Just put your hand up. Thank you. Anyone else? Just slip it up and put it down real quick. Yes, pray for me. I just accepted Christ today for the first time into my life. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you, young man. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Lord, we thank you and praise you for those putting their faith and trust in you today. We thank you that you made the greatest investment ever when you sent your son Jesus to die for us. Those of us that know you, Lord, we pray that we grow in that relationship each and every day. That we never take for granted the investment you made that we can have eternal life and be in your family. Thank you for those today making that decision. And Lord, may we continue to honor you with our finances in a God-honoring and biblical way and not live strapped. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.